to the Weekly Summit Sermon or Teaching. I'm glad you're here. Stay tuned. Here we go. I'm waiting for you to follow me. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's another great Sunday here at the Summit Church. Uh, today, we're going to uh, talk about an important issue on why some people cannot hear the voice of God. But let's begin with prayer. Jesus, we thank you for this day. Lord God, I pray you bless our service. Lord, anoint our ears to hear and give us a voice to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's where it starts. In a portion of scripture, particularly John 5, uh, John 15, Jesus uses almost like an enigma code, a spiritual language that's difficult to discern. If we rely upon logic, human understanding, uh, just rationalization, what you'd learn in the Greek method, you're in, from high school and college, being an intellectual, uh, you're not gonna get to the truth that God wants to reveal to us, that Jesus wants to reveal. The issue is how to hear the voice of God and whether we can overcome the voice of the flesh. So we got, we got to begin with a couple scriptures. So let's take a, a listen to my assistant here, my reader, Miss Electron. John chapter 8 verse 43. Why do you not understand, absolutely no, my speech? Even because you cannot hear, akuo, shema, hear intelligently, my word, logos. Concordance. Greek 191, akuo. To hear intelligently, is the same word found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, Hebrew 8085 Shema, to hear intelligently. In this classic uh, passage, <clears throat> we see that Jesus is frustrated that people cannot understand his speech. And in fact, it's true that with the written word, most people, 99%, will pass over these words and not understand what Jesus is talking about or the fact that he's using a spiritual language, an enigma code. Recall that Paul went to the third heaven and he heard words that were not lawful to utter. What does that mean? It means that when Jesus speaks, his words are spirit and must be spiritually discerned to override the logic, the voice of the flesh. Uh, Miss Electron is going to read again for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 for to be carnally minded of a fleshly mental inclination of the human nature is death but to be spiritually minded able to hear the voice in the wind of God's mouth is life eternal and peace that is shalom it's interesting that the scripture of the New Testament matches the Old Testament as Miss Electron spoke she said that in the concordance, the akuo word in the Greek in the New Testament is the same as the word shema, to listen intelligently. The problem is, is that intellect cannot hear the voice of God. Intelligent listening requires a spiritual ability to hear what God is saying through the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit is like music that rides on the wind.
it has a powerful effect, an emotional effect. It's there, but the voice of the spirit must triumph and overcome the voice of the flesh because the voice of the flesh is carnal. It's logic. It's based upon the human hermeneutic. It does not discern the enigma code that Jesus speaks to us. Consider that when Jesus speaks, he says his words are spirit. How is it that we think we can understand what he's saying with logic alone? See, the problem is that the logical mind will override spiritual discernment, recognizing what the voice of the Spirit is saying. This is why many people fall into error. It is also the reason why there are over 44,000 Christian denominations in the world today. Consider what Jesus says in John chapter 6. Okay. John chapter 6 verse 63, it is the spirit that quickens, brings life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, Rima, a synonym of Logos, that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Jesus makes the point that his voice must be spiritually discerned. His words are spirit, and they bring life. But the carnal mind, logic, the human hermeneutic, that cannot hear the voice of the spirit, that overrides the voice of the spirit, brings death. And this is a big problem. And that's why we must properly discern the enigma code of what Jesus is saying through the voice of the Spirit. You'll never come to all truth until you learn, until we learn, to recognize the voice of the Spirit as it conflicts with the voice of the flesh. Now going to John 5 again, specifically John 5.31, notice this scripture. John chapter 5 verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Jesus says that if he witnesses about himself, that is the voice of the flesh, his witness is not true. He will go on to talk about John the Baptist, but more importantly, he says the works that he does, the works of the Spirit, they testify about him, that who he is. Works of the Spirit contrast with works of the flesh. Let me give you an example. A work of the flesh represents my will, will of the flesh. In fact, when most people pray, they pray their flesh. Oh Lord, I have a need. Oh God, I'm in trouble. Help by marriage. Lord, I have an addiction. I need to lose weight, and so on and so forth. However, <clears throat> a work of the Spirit is to acquire God's will first, <clears throat> Jesus. What is your will? What should I pray today? And when we begin to pray that way, finding what his will is, we're no longer asking amiss. And that's the big issue with our prayer. But it's more than that. The voice of the Spirit will speak to us about what we should do, when we should do it, how we should do it, who we should do it with. But can we discern when the voice of the Spirit speaks? John chapter 5 verse 18, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. And of course we are reading in John 5 where Jesus healed the lame man, one man out of many, at the pool of Bethsaida in Jerusalem on a feast day. And uh, this miracle really stirred the Jews because it occurred on the Sabbath and the man was carrying his mat, breaking the law of course. And Jesus uh, is confronted by the Pharisees who cannot understand how he can violate the law 
by doing a good work of the Spirit. And throughout John chapter 5, Jesus is going to try to explain that he always does the will of the Father. In other words, the voice of the Spirit is paramount to Jesus as opposed to the voice of the flesh. Works of the law, of course, become the works of the flesh, and that's the carnal-mindedness that Jesus is against. What is the Spirit telling each of us to do? Where to do it? How to do it? Are we like Christ? When we, when we just pray randomly for people and the works of the flesh, we feel compassion, we feel sorry for them, we, we don't want them to be crippled, but there was a lot of people at Bethsaida that were crippled, that were in need of a healing. But Jesus picked one man because the voice of the Spirit told him to do so. And he'll go on to explain that he only follows the voice of the Spirit. How about us? What do we follow? This paradigm of Jesus, his mindset, completely befuddled the Pharisees, people that are involved in the works of the flesh, the voice of the flesh. They wanted to know why he would say that God was his father, because they could not understand that speech. What did Jesus mean by that? They concluded that he was equal with God, making himself equal with God, self-declaring. But of course, we read where Jesus said that the testimony of one man in the flesh is not true. I always am wary of people that run around and say, I am an apostle, I am a prophet, I am this, I am that. A self-declaration, that's the voice of the flesh. But if it's spiritually discerned, others will recognize through the spirit that that is their role, that is what they do. We have to tune in to the voice of the spirit, but how do we do that? Let's, uh, let's listen uh, to some more of this episode between Jesus and the Pharisees of the temple. Now, Miss Electron <clears throat> is going to read uh, an abbreviated portion of the scripture. I edited this out, some of the passages to, for time's sake. But uh, let's see if we can discern what the voice of the Spirit is saying versus the voice of the flesh uh, from the Lord. John chapter 5 verses 1 to 30 After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 8. Jesus said unto him, The paralyzed man laying at the pool of Bethesda, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. 9. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Question mark. 17. But Jesus answered, his critics, the Pharisees, my father, when he, works, di work. 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he is doing, these also does the Son likewise. 20. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all things that himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Well, I think the point now becomes pretty clear. Jesus is trying to teach them that he does the will of the Father, the voice of the Spirit. 
Can we say the same, or are we doing our own will? You know, you make feel better by helping a uh, crippled person across the street, but if it's not from the voice of the Father, it's a work of the flesh. There's nothing wrong with doing a work like that. That's part of being a decent human being. But if you want results, if you want to see the miraculous, we must focus in on the voice of the Spirit, the will of God, because the will of God is, in fact, the voice of the Spirit. And how many of us have prayed and saw no results because we were in the flesh? When Jesus says that the day is coming, the hour is coming, when the dead shall hear his voice, you may be thinking resurrection, or you may be thinking those of us that are dead to hearing the voice of the Spirit. Notice that the man who took up his mat obeyed instantly and was miraculously healed because he discerned the voice of the Spirit. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. You notice that Jesus continually talked about my father. I do what my father says. In your flesh, you begin to think that there's two beings, the father being and the son being. There's two entities. But that's the problem with the voice of the flesh. It cannot discern that Jesus has to use human language, which Paul discovered cannot describe what's happening in the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm. Jesus is the one God manifest in the flesh. But if you thought he was a second God, a smaller God, a subordinated deity, you've been listening to the voice. We've been listening to the voice of the flesh. And that's part of the Enigma Code when Jesus speaks. Okay, that's the lesson today. I hope you got it. The voice of the Spirit, the testimony of one man is not true. That's the voice of the flesh. But the witness of the Spirit is the signs and wonders that prove that God is working with us, that we have followed the will of God. We have prayed the will of God. I've noticed that when you go to Christian prayer meetings, everybody goes to a corner and after they say about three prayers, God help my pastor and God help my church, God help me, that absolutely nothing occurs because we're not unified in the spirit. In the New Testament, the apostles, when they got together, the Spirit would speak, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. Notice that the Spirit spoke because they had unified prayer. They prayed together and waited upon the voice of the Spirit. What should we do? If you need direction from the Lord, you're going to have to rely upon the voice of the Spirit. If you want to understand who Jesus is, you're going to have to understand the voice of the Spirit. But if you rely upon the human hermeneutic of logic, you're going to be stuck thinking that there's two beings, three beings, and that directly conflicts with scripture that says the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And in Isaiah 45, the Lord says, I am the Lord, beside me there is no other Savior. And so we see that there is a proof scripture, even in logic, that, that identifies that God is one being. And Jesus is that one God manifest in the flesh. First Timothy 3.16, he is the Father manifest in flesh, but people cannot understand his speech because his words are spirit. Let's hone in on the voice of the spirit today when we pray, when we read scripture, and let's see what God is speaking to us so that we can do the works of the Holy Spirit 
the works of God. Let's concentrate on what the carnal mind is all about. The carnal mind is an enemy of God, and it as is actually the way that we follow the devil. Consider these scriptures now when they're in their context. Go ahead, Miss Electronic. Let's hear it. The scriptures in context. John chapter 8 verses 43 to 44 Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. 44. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar, and the father of it. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 to 9 For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. When these scriptures are in context, they're almost brutal and frightening. So what is the Lord saying to us? He's saying that the voice of the flesh, logic, lies to us. It overrides the voice of the Spirit. And that's how we fall into error. That's why we have 44,000 Christian denominations. That's why there's doctrines of men in the church. And you can always discern a doctrine of men. There'll be no scripture for it. It'll conflict with the Old Testament idea of who God is. He's one, folks. He's not three. He's not four. He's not two. He's one, if you can discern the voice of the Spirit. Does God change? Malachi says, Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I change not, lest ye sons of Jacob are consumed. Did God become three in the New Testament after being only one in the Old Testament? You see, the problem is the voice of the flesh leads us into error, it lies to us. Let's work on this. Let's discern what the voice of the Spirit is saying. And if you ask Jesus sincerely, Lord God, I know that you are the mighty God, Jesus. Confirm your word to me, Lord God. Give me a confirmation of what you're saying. And see, there's safety in the, in the confirmation. A lot of people will get a word from God and they will run off, try to obey it, and what they've heard is the voice of the flesh, no confirmation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that all the gifts of the Spirit are to be confirmed out of the mouth of two or three witnesses because one witness is not true. With practice, we'll begin to recognize the confirming voice. The work itself, the miracle when it occurs, is a confirmation. The mouth of two or three witnesses when the gifts of the Spirit operate is a confirmation. You should always pray for a confirmation. Find a friend that will pray with you because where two or more are gathered, two, keep in mind, a confirming voice is present. Jesus says, there am I. Now I have a final thing to say about the concept of deconstruction. Deconstruction is a human concept that says, I read the book War and Peace. 
I read this book, I read that book, and I didn't quite understand what the author meant. What did the author mean? Let me uh, um, give you an example of that. The phrase, God is dead. Does that mean that God died? Does that mean that God is dead in the church or in society? Or is that God is dead in somebody's life? Or that I believe that God has never lived, he never existed? What does it mean? And the concept of deconstruction says this, that unless you can ask the author what he meant by the words that he wrote, you will never have the full truth of what he meant by that phrase. Does it mean anything else when we read the Holy Bible? Do we get the voice of the Lord to tell us what it means? You see, the problem is, is that with human authors, they die. Walt Whitman died. Um, Tom Sawyer's author died. <laughs> you can't ask him what he meant. But we can ask the Lord what he means by the scriptures because our author is alive forevermore. And the voice of the Spirit can help us to discern what Jesus means by saying, I and my Father are one. What does that mean, John 10, 30? Uh, that simply means that Jesus has the same will of the Father. Or does it mean that Jesus and God are the one God in flesh? You'll have to pray about it and ask for a confirming voice of the Spirit what this means. And of course, the scholars that are at the universities and the uh, ivory towers of theological seminaries, the reason they can't ever come to the knowledge of the truth because they're ever learning in the flesh. In Isaiah 22, he says, your table is full of vomit. What does God mean by that? Because you relied upon here a word, here a word, there a word, there a word, line upon line, line upon line. What he's saying is that human logic cannot discern what God intends by prophecy, by the words of the scripture. We must get the voice of God. What does it mean when Jesus says, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? And then the apostles, seven days later, baptized in the name of Jesus. What's that all about? Could Peter hear the voice of God? When Jesus confronted his disciples in Matthew 16, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And upon this rock, this revelation, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the voice of the Spirit can only say what the human being can understand, that he's the Son of God, that he's the Christ, the Messiah, but the voice of the Spirit tells us he's the one God manifest in the flesh, which goes beyond human understanding. You see, it's a mystery. The enigma code of the speech of the Bible, of Jesus' speech, of God's speech, and so when you see Jesus, who do you see? If you don't see the Father, then you're not seeing who Jesus really is. Because he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, John 14, 9. God bless your day. I hope you have a great Sunday. We'll see you here next week at the Summit Church. You've been listening to the weekly Summit Sermon or Teaching. 
We meet weekly here in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. You can find us at http153online.com or visit us at our physical location at 1119 Superior Avenue, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. God bless you for listening. How can we